0: Good afternoon. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. It must be business buzz. I heard the buzzing of the bees and the flight of the bumblebee. That's that's my cue. Another great, beautiful Chico day. It's always a pleasure to take a little break from the hectic bit of my CPA work and get down here and talk to you for a while. I'm really interested in some good interesting education today. I'm going to be educating you big time. So sit down and enjoy some very interesting financial news and information and, of course, my opinion. And like I've said before, everything I say is just my opinion. It's uh, the old expression I need to remind you of is do your own due diligence. No two people's situation is exactly the same. If I say it would be a good idea to protect your wealth with certain investments, that doesn't mean you put 100% of your savings into that. It means that you start looking around, talking to people. You can talk to people like me or other. I'm not a financial planner. I'm not a certified financial planner. I'm a CPA. And I would always want to see individual person's numbers before I would ever recommend anything specific. So just to remind you that you always have to do your own due diligence because everybody's situation is different. That also goes for tax questions and tax analysis. I can tell you things like I did one day a month or two ago. I was able to show you how a hypothetical taxpayer family could have $2 million in real estate gains and never pay tax on those. That same scenario could be done for 20 million or 200 million. There's no dollar limit on those rules I was talking to you about. There's dollar limits on some of them, but some of them don't have dollar limits. So these are things that are all individual. Everything I talk about, it may apply to you, it may apply to you in a limited way. It, it just it's all different. Everybody's got their own situation. So I just wanted to remind you that I'm always conscious that when I talk about things I'm just telling you what I think and what my own ideas are. You need to do your own due diligence, investigate the possibilities, talk to other people. I can tell you right now that when you talk to certain types of financial people, I can tell you what kind of answer you'll get because I've been doing taxes as a full-time job now for over 35 years, close to 40 years. And I, I have yet to meet a straight stockbroker slash certified financial planner who agrees with a third of what I talk about. They almost always disagree with my main assumption that things are not safe. They sort of tend to lean on the fact that things are safe and that one of their favorite sayings is, well, you're in it for the long haul. So that's supposed to justify a 40% decline in the market when your 401k goes from 100,000 down to 60,000. They're supposed to soothe you with the statement that you're in it for the long haul. Well, if someone had told you to move half of that to cash, you would have only lost 20,000 instead of 40 in the crash. That's my point. Most people that you'll talk to will not agree with the things that I'm telling you. So you need to do your own due diligence. The first topic I'd like to address today is the upcoming cryptocurrency seminar, which is here live in Chico, Tuesday, May 15th at 6 p.m. at Unwind at 980, an excellent place for a meeting. They have excellent food. Part of the ticket price for this seminar is for a Excellent dinner that you'll be able to enjoy. And 10% of the profits from the seminar go to the Butte Humane Society, the place that helps all the cats and dogs. And I'm not sure they have a lot of other types of animals, but I do know that there's always a lot of cats and dogs that need help. So we're going to help them out by donating part of the profits to the Butte Humane Society. What we're going to do at that seminar... Here's what you're going to learn. You're going to learn how to, number one, set up an account so you can trade, buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies. You're then going to learn how to protect and hold your cryptocurrencies. There's many ways to do that. It sounds very tricky, but once you have education like we're going to give you at this seminar, you will know how to do this. Once you've got your account set up, there's lots of resources, uh, including what you'll learn at this seminar. Plus, you can go on the internet and really learn a lot of trading secrets. You can watch professionals trade. It's really a fascinating area. I believe there's going to be a whole generation of young people right now that are not going to be interested in their stockbroker type trading. They're going to be interested in crypto trading, which can be done by yourself. There may be fees and what they call slippage as far as a percentage. In other words, if you see that the price of something on your screen is a hundred dollars and you wanna buy one of those for a hundred dollars, it may cost you like a hundred and one dollars or a hundred and two dollars, depending on where you're at. Now you will learn at this seminar where the places are that don't give you that high of a fee. I know there's some places with very low fees. What I'm saying is that I would I would Guess that there's an entire generation of young people who won't be calling their stockbroker when they inherit 50 grand from their parents. They'll be putting it in a crypto account and trading there. That's just, that's my guess. I'm not going to, uh, you can't hold me to any of this stuff. I'm not, I'm not betting. I'm not putting money on it. I'm just saying what I, my opinion is. So the seminar, you'll learn a lot. The ticket price is $97. It includes a very nice dinner. It includes non-alcoholic beverages. Uh, Regular drinks are available, but you'll have to pay for those, of course. And you can go to, to sign up, chicodesigns.com slash seminar. So that's C-H-I-C-O-D-E-S-I-G-N-S dot com slash seminar. And it's very easy to sign up. If you have any questions, you can email Cryptocurrency seminar at gmail.com. C R Y P T O, currency seminar at gmail.com. So, any questions you have, you can write there. We've still got uh, almost two weeks until the seminar. It's really going to be fun. You're going to learn more. I guarantee you're going to learn more than you would learn in a half hour with your stockbroker. And based on what I've been talking to people since this is just the end of tax season a few weeks ago, most people don't get a real good education from their financial professionals. Most people that don't take the bull by the horns and, like I say, do their own due diligence, really don't get a lot of information. I've had some conversations over the past few weeks that I was sort of shocked at how little these people who had had professional tax preparation help over the past years, I was amazed at how little these people knew and what had never been explained to them. In other words, my credo when I'm doing someone's taxes, I I really do explain everything I'm doing. I try to explain everything to them. I try to always give them tips to make things better in the future year. But I've talked to a lot of people that have had professional help in the past, and they just feel, based on what I've asked them, they have never heard the things that I tell people on a regular basis. You need to really think about the person you're having help you. And like I've said before, there's lots of good tax preparers in Chico. I'm one of them. But you really need to assess, are you learning what you need to know? Are you getting the time with that person that you can ask those questions and you'll be get explanations that make sense? that can help you move along better in the future. I'm finding out that a lot of people are not getting that kind of help. There's also a question when you look for a tax preparer, there's different types of tax preparers. There's three types of people. Oh, I'm sorry. There's four people who can legally prepare your tax return and sign it as a legal preparer. Those four categories are Tax preparers. There's just a group called tax preparers that register as preparers. Then there's enrolled agents, which are ones that pass an exam that the IRS puts out to make sure that they know their tax law. I used to be an enrolled agent. When I became a CPA at the time, they did not allow a person to be both an enrolled agent and a CPA. So I actually had to drop my enrolled agent thing. Uh, I could go back and get it now. I'm not sure if they'd make me take the exam again. But with my CPA license, I really don't need that. It's just kind of interesting that uh, you couldn't be both for a while, but now you can. So there's preparers, there's enrolled agents, there's CPAs. And the fourth group that is legal to do your tax return is a licensed attorney. The thing about that is that most attorneys don't specialize in this tax field. Some do, of course, and they'd be really good. They'd probably be way overpriced, but most of them don't do taxes as a as an occupation, as a profession, as a full-time thing that they're always studying like me and most of the CPAs I know. That is the rundown of the four types of people, and to be honest, if you wanted me to put them in categories of the I'm not going to say the worst to the best, but I would say the probably the least experienced to the most experienced. I would say attorneys normally wouldn't help you because they don't normally prepare tax returns. Tax preparers, some of them are good. Enrolled agents, some of them are very good. CPAs, some of them are really good. But I'm not going to ever include everybody because being a CPA doesn't mean you've even done income taxes before. A lot of CPAs come from a place, let's say somebody moves up to Chico and their wife's a nurse and they get a job at Enloe and the husband is a CPA and he worked at, I don't even know the names these days, Price Waterhouse. Uh, I know Arthur Anderson went under after they basically cheated everybody in the Enron case. I don't know the top four accountants anymore. Uh, but anyway, so some guy might come from there and he hangs out his shingle in Chico as a CPA and offers tax preparation, but he's never done it. All he's done is audits at uh, Pete Marwick or Arthur, not Arthur Anderson anymore. Those, I'm afraid those, I hope I don't get a, a sued for uh, slander on this, but they're out of business after their Enron audit job. So this guy could come up and hang a shingle as a CPA, but he may not have hardly ever done any tax returns. He may have been an auditor at a desk at Price Waterhouse in Los Angeles, and he's never even seen a 1040 return other than his own. What I'm trying to say is that you need to sort of assess who you're talking with, what they've done and how many years they've been doing income taxes. I've been doing them now for almost 40 years. I'm not blowing my own horn. I'm just saying how much experience I've had and I'm still one of those people that's smart enough to know that if it's something I don't know, I will either learn it or I will tell you where to go to find the person who already knows it because sometimes it's not cost-efficient to learn a whole new field of law for one client. So I'm aware of the fact that if there's something I don't know, and to be honest, the tax laws are so big and complicated that I don't know at all, uh, I'm always aware that sometimes I have to refer you to someone else, and I'm happy to do that also. So I don't know how I got off on that subject, but the cryptocurrency seminar, again, it's May 15th, 6 p.m., unwind at 980, which is the former Blockbuster building on Mangrove. Great food. Your ticket price includes a really nice dinner and uh, complimentary non-alcoholic drinks. It's going to be a very entertaining and educational three-hour seminar, and I'm, it may lead you to a brand-new hobby. Who knows? But I really want you to contact me if you have any questions at all, and the place to do that is seminar at gmail.com. And again, if you want to sign up, chicodesigns.com slash seminar. C-H-I-C-O-D-E-S-I-G-N-S dot com slash seminar. I guarantee you will learn a lot. Now, when I come up uh, on this next break, as soon as we're done with this first break, I want to give you a few, uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of education on what's happening in the cryptocurrency world lately. And I've got a couple of really good recent articles that help with that. Here's what's happening. If you, You hear anybody say, oh, cryptocurrencies, you're going to lose all your money. You have to realize that these things do go up and down. Bitcoin, which is the most famous one, has had four trips down the hole to a 90% loss. And I'll get back to that in a minute. I'll see you at the other side of the break. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned to Business Buzz.
1: Welcome to our show. I'm Scott Alred. I'm Ben Taini,
2: and I'm Matt Four. This is Jessica Wilkerson, one of your hosts of Chico Now.
1: A half hour designed for the community and brought to you by the community. Each day, one of our hosts will join with people from organizations throughout the greater Chico area. We want to let you know what's happening in Chico now. So join us at 12:30, Monday through Friday, here on KKXX for Chico Now.
0: The rest of my life.
2: Priya Indian Cuisine reminds drivers, according to the U.S. Department of Transportation, texting while driving is a leading cause of traffic accidents and fatalities. So do your part. Put the phone down when driving. And the life you save, it may be your own. That message from Priya Indian Cuisine in Chico. They're serving up the best Indian food in town. So stop by Priya Indian Cuisine at 2574 Esplanade or dial 530-899-1055. They remind us, don't tempt fate. Your text can wait.
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm your host, Harold Littlejohn-CPA. I'm so glad you could spend part of your afternoon with me. I'm going to be talking for the next few minutes about the cryptocurrency world and what's happening lately. What I was trying to get across there before the break, if you talk to people who may have been unfortunate enough to buy some Bitcoin, and when I say buy some Bitcoin when it's $19,000 each, nobody buys a whole Bitcoin when it's $19,000 each. I'm sure there's some wealthy people who might, but everybody I know and my ilk, we buy like a .0012 of a Bitcoin for a couple hundred bucks or what, whatever we're investing. You don't have to have thousands of dollars to buy a Bitcoin. You just have to have a hundred dollars or so to buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. That's how this works. You, so don't be afraid of the price of bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin is the most famous of the cryptocurrencies. It has a history. I believe its original value about nine years ago, and don't quote me on all this, was like started at one penny a piece, and it hit a peak in December of about $19,000 each. It has since decreased down to 6000 or so, and I believe today it's just a little under 10000 So if I'm not mistaken, it's gained back about of its value since it went down low. My point on this is that these are not for the faint of heart and this is not ever money that you would need to buy groceries with. It's sort of like the old theory that if you're going to Las Vegas and you're going to head into the casino for some entertainment, you don't take money that you need, you take money that if you lose it, you don't really need it. That's the same thing for these cryptos. This is like, it's kind of like the Wild West on this crypto investing. It goes up, it goes down, but there's people making big money. And you want to be, if you get involved in cryptocurrencies at all, you want to be the one smart enough to get in and out, learn how to trade and not be subject to a 60% or 70% decline. Before the break, I was mentioning in Bitcoin's short nine or so year history, there have been four declines of 90% or more of value what i'm trying to say is that this latest 60% decline or so that it had is not that it's not that bad it's it's bad if you sat there and held it but it's not historically a bad decline what i also want to point out is that in the last year or so the crypto market was getting so big last fall. In my opinion, the same people who manipulate uh, precious metals prices downward are now in the market of buying and then manipulating Bitcoin and crypto prices downward. So you might say, well, why would I want to invest in something that the criminal bankers are manipulating downward? Well, they also manipulate it up. And if you can be smart enough to see where you're getting into these trades and where you're exiting these trades. I mean, it's just like a stockbroker needs to do. You can make a fortune just by watching these cryptos go up and down. Now, there's also the idea of these initial cryptos. They come out they come out and get offered. If you're set up, and that's where this seminar is so good, it's going to teach you how to get set up to buy these brand new cryptos. There are cryptos that have made something like 25 or more times their value overnight. In other words, you could, if you knew which ones, and that's what the seminar is going to guide you towards. If you have the right crypto, you could put a hundred dollars in it. And the next day it could theoretically, based on the history of some of these could be worth $2,500 the next morning. And you could then cash it out and bank your 2,500. And then if I were you, I'd buy a couple ounces of gold with that. But that's just my opinion. You could maybe uh, make a make a couple of house payments. You could maybe buy a used car. Uh, what would you like to do with some of this extra paper money that the, these type of markets offer us? So, one of the articles I want to talk about is titled "This Could Be the Year Big Investors Such as Endowments Finally Buy Into Cryptocurrencies," and this article is dated April twelfth, twenty eighteen. It's actually from CNBC, one of those uh, giant financial networks that I, I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them when they're talking about the stock market, because all they do is go ooh and ah on the, on the big up days, and then they kind of go quiet on the down days and, and try to uh, attr- uh, distract your attention to something else. But this article is very interesting, and this is uh, less than a month ago. Money managers for pension plans and endowments have been laying the groundwork to invest in cryptocurrencies this year, according to some investors and industry consultants, but they're still on the sidelines for now. Many are holding off because of volatility, security issues, and headline risks, but their vote of confidence could boost struggling Bitcoin prices. Even if they never believe in it as an asset class, they're smart enough to recognize the alpha opportunity says Ari Paul, former portfolio manager at University of Chicago. This could be the year Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies get backed by an influential investor class, global pension and endowment funds. Institutional investors have held off on the fledgling cryptocurrency asset. However, money managers for the multi-billion dollar class have been laying the groundwork to make an investment at some point, possibly as soon as later this year, according to some pension industry advisors. There are still many obstacles for this to happen, but one force driving the interest among these big investors is the fact that if cryptocurrencies turn out to be a legitimate asset class, they would be caught extremely underallocated to it, allowing others to profit. A high profile investment would help assets such as Bitcoin, which attracted a flood of investors as it rose more than 1300% last year. Now, I'm going to stop there just to mention, okay, just in 2017, Bitcoin rose 13 times in value. That's the potential by learning this cryptocurrency trading skill. I'll continue. Yet the asset class comes with a lot of risk for those normally risk-averse long-term investors. Bitcoin, excuse me, this is tough to say. Bitcoin has nosedived more than 50% this year. After regulatory crackdowns on fundraising frauds, high-profile hacks, and a lack of new buyers, I would beg to differ. Here's the case where I think CNBC is omitting facts. I would say that a big part of the 50% decline this year is big banks who have unlimited money buying up a bunch of Bitcoin, bringing it up to the top, and then selling them all at bad times and dropping the price. That's just my opinion. But CNBC is not really known for its uh, forthrightness and complete factual accuracy. So that article, I just wanted to mention that article to you. Like I say, you can look that up probably on the CNBC website. It's uh, very interesting that if a market, the entire market cap of cryptocurrencies was approaching a trillion dollars, I believe it got up to about $600 I think it's now back to two or three hundred billion. But two or three hundred billion dollars in the investing paper fake market world is really nothing. That's probably one hour of trading on the world's stock markets. So the entire Bitcoin world could be bought in a half hour, probably on any average trading day with all these paper fake market stocks. Now, the other article I want to read you real quick is called Cryptocurrency Market Will Get Much Bigger, and that's from a former J.P. Morgan banker. And it says, uh, Daniel Masters, who previously led J.P. Morgan's Global Energy Trading Desk, says cryptocurrencies are fueling a financial revolution. Uh, Masters is now chairman of digital investment bank CoinShares and chief investment officer at Global Advisors. And he explained in an interview with Bloomberg how distributed ledger technology, that has to do with these uh, blockchains and these Bitcoin things, is doing for the democratization democratization of peer-to-peer transactions what the internet did for the democratization of news. That's at the core of what makes this a revolution. He was asked by Bloomberg about the potential for the problem of leakage in the fractional reserve monetary system where only some of a bank's deposits are backed by assets. Masters said no. Cryptocurrents aren't, aren't creating leakage in that leverage, at least not yet. Well, that break came way too fast. I will be right back. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. More great information coming your way.
1: Hi, this is Rob Walter, host of Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is a program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness and where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the Iron Curtain of a shamelessly biased media. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Join me at 7 a.m. on KKXX. Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. here on KKXX.
2: LJR Painting, LLC reminds drivers that too many people die in the U.S. every day and thousands annually in drunk driving accidents. So if you've had your hand on a bottle, take your foot off the throttle. That message courtesy of LJR Painting, LLC. Your complete painting contractors with a reputation for quality work at prices you can afford. For an estimate, call 360-651-2481. That's 360-651-2481. Or find them online at PrecisePaintNet. They are on the air because they care.
1: Hi, this is James McDonald, Bible teacher on Walk in the Word. You know, every day we receive emails and letters from listeners just like you, men and women who've been impacted by Christian radio. I got to ask you, have you taken the time to call your radio station lately? Whatever you're doing right now, just stop and pick up the phone. Your station needs to hear from you and know that you're standing with them. I can guarantee that your words of encouragement and financial support will strengthen this station long after your call's been made.
2: When Dad needed help getting around, I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created AARP.org
0: caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit AARP.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn CPA, your host. I'm so glad you're able to spend a little time in your afternoon with me. It's another lovely Chico day, and you just can't beat this springtime weather we have. I'm just going to continue a little bit more with this man named Masters, who's a former J.P. Morgan banker, says, crypto market will be much bigger. The way that Master sees the world has never been a fight to the death between crypto and the regular financial system. Instead, he says it's about what portion of the total financial ecosystem accrues to cryptocurrencies, adding, I think even if it's only 5% at the end of the day, that market will then still be much bigger than it is today. And just a little bit more at the end. This is really interesting. Master's manages more than $800 million in cryptocurrency assets across both passive and active strategies for leading coins such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, Zcash, and Monero down to ICOs, which is called initial coin offerings. As, and this is what I was talking about, about the 25 times gain overnight. As for staying away from the scam ICOs, which is initial coin offerings, Masters pointed to a multi-stage screening process by which fewer than 3% of small ICOs that come to them, make it through their filter. So in other words, what he's saying is that if there's 30 new ICOs coming this week, he will only have one that matches his criteria to invest in. Now, what he's saying is that that could end up being the kind that go up to $2,500 the next morning. That's exactly what they're talking about. He says, Masters recently touted Bitcoin as the play of 2018 before the cryptocurrency market had begun to turn around. And that turnaround, uh, by the way, is what I was talking about. It went down to around 6000 or so. It's now back very close to $10,000. He said then that he liked ICO issuers with non-forkable blockchain-specific ideas. Masters has reportedly owned Bitcoin since 2012 when it was traded, trading at $100. So, so if he started buying them at $100, can you imagine how much money he's made? They're worth $10,000 each. So that's the amazing cryptocurrency world. Now, my next topic today, I've told, I promised you informative, educational, and entertaining. At least I meant to. This is the, uh, the section I'm going to talk about right now is my favorite physical property, my favorite physical item. If you ask me one thing I would like to buy for myself for Christmas, I would tell you it would be A piece of silver. It's fun. I like silver coins. I like silver tokens. I like silver bars. And in my opinion, it's the most undervalued asset in the world and the most undervalued asset the world's ever seen. So I just wanted to give you a little bit of education today about why silver is such a good idea to have part of your money in. One thing is back in the old days, like 50, 60 years ago, the general financial planner type would always tell his, his clients, you should have something like 5 or 10% of your investment worth in gold. That was just a standard thing that everybody was supposed to do. The problem is in the 1970s when computerized crazy futures trading began, the powers that be figured out a way to manipulate prices to where there was it was no longer a price discovery. In other words, markets, you know, if you have a market where there's 10,000 farmers bringing a wagon load of corn to the market and there's 10,000 traders buying corn for the cereal producers and the food makers, whatever price works out that week, in other words, That is a, that's a price discovery mechanism. That market will discover the price of corn. So if you have a week where the corn crops all got destroyed by a storm, and instead of 10,000 farmers each bringing a wagon load to Kansas City or wherever that, Chicago's the big corn market. So if you have a week where 10,000 farmers, instead of bringing a wagon load of corn are only bringing a little grocery bag with a few ears of corn and you have 10,000 buyers getting ready to buy for the Kellogg's company that needs to make the cereal, what do you think is going to happen to that price of corn? That in the old world is a price discovery mechanism. That's why a market is a market. Well, the problem is in the 1970s with these computerized trading of which Alan Greenspan is one of the inventors. This entire idea of a market has been completely, uh, I won't say any nasty words, it's been ruined. It's been destroyed. It's been taken over by computerized paper fake markets. So what I'm trying to say is that in a real market, like I say, the 10,000 farmers come in with almost zero corn. Then the 10,000 buyers in Chicago that need to fill Kellogg's warehouse so they can make cornflakes they are going to bid up that price to a very high amount to buy all that corn. That's how price discovery works. But that hasn't been in effect for at least uh, 40 or 50 years, maybe longer. I'm not not positive about the 50s and 60s, but I can tell you that since the computers came in, price discovery has gone out the window. Now, what I've done is I'm going to give you a little information here about silver And I just want you to realize, number one, how rare silver is, how valuable it is, and how underpriced it is. So I'm just, first I'm going to start with kind of a fact sheet. Uh, I just grabbed this stuff from Internet Places. Uh, Of course, I don't verify all these facts. Again, do your own due diligence. Uh, Number one on this list is silver was the first metal to be used as currency more than 4,000 years ago. How's that for a track record? Then uh, it says, in ancient Egypt, silver was valued higher than gold. It was more rare than gold at that time. Um, Let me see. The word silver originates from the English Anglo-Saxon word seal for. And I'll try to find out where that came from. Oh, this one's really interesting. Silver and money are the same word in more than 14 different languages including French, Thai, Swahili, and Welsh. Uh, silver is the best conductor of heat and electricity, one of the very valuable elements on Earth. Um, the biggest producer of silver is Mexico, and the biggest buyer is the United States as of 2016. Now, I'm going to go to this other list because it's a little more detailed. Um, it's kind of the same, same idea, a little more detailed. Silver metal is not toxic to humans. In fact, it can be used as a food decoration. However, most silver salts are toxic. Silver is germicidal, meaning it kills bacteria and other lower organisms. Another interesting fact about silver is in the old west days, the cowboys would actually put a silver dollar inside the water of their canteen to keep it good, to keep the water from being contaminated. It's an amazing antibacterial. There's lots of medical uses with silver in burn units, like if somebody needs a bunch of bandages, but they don't want infections, there's a lot of silver being used in the medical industry right now. And I'm going to continue with some of these other facts. Silver is the best electric conductor of the elements. It is used as the standard by which other conductors are measured. On a scale of 0 to 100, silver ranks 100 in terms of electrical conductivity. Copper ranks 97, and gold ranks 76. Only gold is more ductile than silver. That means uh, you can make it into a wire. An ounce of silver can be drawn into a wire 8,000 feet long. Well, now 8,000 feet is over a mile and a half, because a mile and a half would be about 7,800 feet or so. Can you believe that? One ounce of silver can be drawn into a wire over a mile and a half long. The most commonly encountered form of silver is sterling silver, uh, consists of 92.5% silver, which with the balance of other metals, usually copper. The chemical symbol for silver, AG, comes from the Latin word for silver, argentum, which in turn derives from the Sanskrit word argunus, which means shining. Now here's another thing like that ductile wire of a a mile and a half. A single grain of silver, which is very small, can be pressed into a sheet 150 times thinner than the average sheet of paper. That's how malleable it is. Silver is the best thermal conductor of any metal. The lines you see in the rearview view window of a car consists of silver used to defrost ice in the winter. Now, that's all I'll point out also. It's also why silver is used in every solar panel that you see on everybody's roof. It conducts electricity uh, better than, I'm sorry, best thermal conductor of any metal. It conducts heat better than any other metal. Uh, The primary source of silver today is the New World. Mexico is leading, followed by Peru, United States, Canada, Russia, and Australia also produce. And then, uh, now, the next thing I want to say is that coins minted in the United States prior to 1965 consist of about 90% silver. Kennedy half dollars minted between 65 to 69 contain 40% silver. Now, I'm going to tell you about that because I've also brought some information, and the first information I'm going to bring uh, before we get to the break here is regarding the Coinage Act of 1792. Now, keep in mind that this Coinage Act has never been repealed. It's never been changed. In the act, the Philadelphia Mint was authorized, and the definition of coinage, the definition of money was made in the Coinage Act of 1792. It also provided for copper coinage of pennies, but it mainly provided, the part I'm looking at here, is it defines a dollar. And the only place in the law where a dollar is defined, you think you know what a dollar is, right? It's a piece of paper that the Federal Reserve Bank printed? It's a debt instrument? No, it's not. I'll get back right after the break and tell you what a dollar really is according to the laws of the United States. Come right back with me, Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll see you in a minute. It seems like every day I'm asked about vitamin D in the sun. The main question being, how much sunlight do I need to expose myself to get an adequate level of vitamin D? So my answer is simply, protect if you need to, and consult your primary care physician if you think you might be deficient in vitamin D. I'm Dr. Paul Sabin, and that's The Skin You're
1: In. If you have skin care questions, make an appointment today with Dr. Paul Sabin of North Valley Dermatology. Call Dr. Paul Sabin today at 342-3686. Again, that's 342-3686. I used to watch like tons of TV, and now I can turn the radio on and just listen to that all day. It's a life-changing station. Your life has significance and purpose. Oh, it gives you hope. It just lifts your day up. Jesus said that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That
2: includes truths about who you are and how God sees
1: you. Our programming helps you grasp those truths. I listen to it when I go to work, and it helps make the day a better day. You found Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM.
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz, Harold Littlejohn, CPA, talking about my favorite metal, silver. So in the Coinage Act of 1792, it defines a dollar as 371 and 4 grain or 24.1 ounces of, pure, I'm sorry, 24.1 grams pure silver or 27 grams of standard silver, which is more like the 90% silver in the coins. That is the definition of a dollar. Now, what's happened since then is that we have now had paper money since about 1963 or 64. Keep in mind that whenever you hear these things going on around 63, 64, 65, these things that happened also coincide with the death of President Kennedy. And I won't get into any big conspiracy theories, but use your own do your own due diligence on that. So these bills that came out in that time frame have green seals, they're called Federal Reserve notes, and they say they're one dollar. But are they really a dollar? Prior to those, there was a blue seal bill called the Silver Certificate, and on that bill it said payable of Payable in silver to the bearer on demand. Something like that. I don't have one in front of me. I do collect some of those. They're, they're only worth the paper they're printed on these days, but they have a little bit of collector value. I remember my dad going over to the San Francisco Mint in 1968 on the last day they were allowing you, and it was legal until 1968, to take your silver certificate note over to the San Francisco mint and get an equivalent ounce of silver for your dollar. But that got shut, that window got shut down in 1968. So in other words, paper money these days has no real value other than what people say it's worth. So I wanted to educate you that the coinage act of 1792 is the only place where a dollar is defined by the, Treasury by the federal government. And well, it's actually defined by Congress because they're the ones who pass these laws. So that's the law. And a dollar is 27 grams of standard silver, period. That's a dollar. I'm not getting, you know, radically violent and I'm not going to have a standoff in uh, Waco, Texas on this. I'm just telling you that uh, that's what a dollar is defined as. Now, along comes Lyndon Johnson. Don't forget, he's the successor to John F. Kennedy upon Kennedy's assassination. And he was the guy doing the dirty work when they did the Coinage Act of 1965. And I've talked about this before. I remember the day sitting in like, I don't know, second grade class, third grade maybe, and looking at those cool new coins that had copper edges. And we just thought that was so cool. Little did we know that this was the beginning of the end for the U.S. dollar. So what happened was the Coinage Act of 1965 decided to take away the silver and the silver out of the dimes and quarters and most of the silver out of the half dollars. The Kennedy halves survived with a little bit of silver for five years, but then they went to zero also five years later. So basically our coinage became slugs. They became worthless, nearly worthless zinc copper slugs that you, it's just like a paper dollar now. A quarter or a half dollar that's made of copper and zinc is virtually a slug just like your paper dollar in your pocket. If somebody doesn't believe that's worth a dollar, it's worthless. The fact that we all believe it's worth a dollar makes it happen. So I'm going to read the remarks at the signing of the Coinage Act by Lyndon B. Johnson. Not my favorite president. And uh, so in his remarks, uh, part of them go like this. Since that time, talking about 1792. Since that time, our coinage of dimes, quarters and half dollars. uh, Today, except for the silver dollar, we are establishing a new coinage to take its place beside the old. Then he goes on, he says... uh, The new dimes and the new quarters will contain no silver. They will be composites with faces of the same alloy used in our five-cent piece that is bounded to a core of pure copper. They will show a copper edge. So that's what he's saying. The top will look like a nickel, and the side will be copper. So you got a nickel and a penny making a quarter now. Our new half-dollar will continue our silver tradition, 80% silver on the outside and 19% silver inside. It will be nearly indistinguishable in our appearance from our present half dollar. That translates to 40% silver. So if you ever see a Kennedy half dollar prior to 1971, save it. Because if it's between 65 and 70, it has 40% silver. If it's in 1964, it's got 90% silver. Now, here's where, the, here's where it really gets entertaining from our fearless leader, uh, Lyndon Johnson. Now, all of you know these changes are necessary for a very simple reason. Now, here's where you got to realize I'm gonna, this is all in the matter of a few paragraphs. He's completely, uh, he's completely dichotomizing. I don't, can't remember the word. He's completely going against himself in the next five paragraphs. So listen carefully. All of you know these changes are necessary for a very simple reason. Silver is a scarce material. Our uses of silver are growing as our population and our economy grows. The hard fact is that silver consumption is now more than double new silver production each year. So in the face of this worldwide shortage of silver and our rapidly growing need for coins, the only really prudent course was to reduce our dependence upon silver for making our coins. If we had not done so, we would have risked chronic coin shortages in the very near future. Okay, now just that's where I want you to stop and think for a minute. He just got done saying how rare, valuable, and scarce silver is and will be. Okay, now listen to this. Some have asked whether our silver coins will disappear. The answer is very definitely no. Our present silver coins won't disappear and they won't even become rarities. We estimate that there are now 12 billion, I repeat, more than 12 billion silver dimes and quarters and half dollars that are now outstanding. We will make another billion before we halt production and they will be used side by side with our new coins. Since the life of a silver coin is about 25 years, we expect our traditional silver coins will be with us in large numbers for a long, long time. Now, I, I beg to differ because I'll tell you something. Once people realize the scam that just got perpetrated on everybody, they all started saving their silver coins in a can, and they spent their copper, their copper slugs uh, instead. So here's he goes on to say. If anybody has any idea of hoarding our silver coins, let me say this. Treasury has a lot of silver on hand, and it can be, and it will be used to keep the price of silver in line with its value in our present silver coin. There will be no profit in holding them out of circulation for the value of their silver content. Well, like I say, he completely contradicted himself there within five paragraphs because Number one, the the real silver coins disappeared very quickly from circulation because anybody with five brain cells would realize that they don't want to give up silver for copper and zinc. And then he says, then he points out the fact that don't try to hoard them because we've got enough silver to flood the market. Well, that's part of the problem too. This is 53 years ago that this act happened And in the meantime, they have depleted all of their national silver reserves in the interest of keeping the silver price low. That's the problem. We have a manipulated down silver price, and that's why I said at the start of the show, it's the most undervalued asset in the world and probably the most undervalued that there's ever been in the world. And what I will say is do your own due diligence because I don't want you going out and buying a bunch of silver and then being upset if it goes from $16 to $15 and blaming me. So do your own due diligence. It's not a trade you make on a daily trading basis. It's an investment to protect your money in the future. So here's another article I brought. It's, uh, what if everyone in the world wanted a one-ounce silver coin? I won't get into the whole reading of the article, but here's how the math works. There's no way to know this, but here's the thing. Silver is mined versus gold at about 10 or 11 to 1. In other words, in a year, you'll have, uh, for every one ounce of gold that's mined, you will have about 10 or 11 ounces of silver. So we'll just call it 10 to be to keep the math simple. The problem here is this. You would think that there would be 10 times more silver than gold in the world because it's mined at a 10 to 1 ratio. That's not the case. When gold gets mined, it gets turned into gold bars. It gets turned into gold jewelry. A little bit of it gets used in electronics, but not nearly as much as silver. So what happens is gold doesn't really get used up. It doesn't get tossed out. The problem is silver does. Silver is now in everything you have. Everything you've got has silver. You'll, your cell phone will have some silver wires and conductors in it the solar panels on your house have silver in each one the silver that gets mined gets used and the problem is there probably is more gold above ground at this moment than there is available silver that's probably the case I can't prove it nobody can but here's a good way to look at the math Let's just pretend that there are 2 billion ounces of silver in the world. I doubt it. I I would just guess a billion, but there could be 2 sil- 2 billion around. Here's the problem. First of all, half of that 2 billion is probably in safe deposit boxes and safes, and so half of it's not getting sold. Half of it is from people who have been buying silver for the last 20 or 30 years and they're not selling it. They're holding on to it as insurance against the paper money scam that's been going on for the last, especially the last 50 years. So let's just say there's 1 billion of available ounces of silver to buy. Let's say there are, because there are about 360 million people in the U.S., so let's just round that off and say 333 million to keep the math easy. That translates to, Every person in the U.S. could own three ounces of silver and the rest of the world would be completely out of available silver to buy. That's three ounces per person. That's how scarce silver really is. When it gets mined, it gets used. That's what you have to remember and that's what you have to realize when you hear uh, your stockbroker or your financial planner poo-poo the idea of owning silver. Now, the closest the financial planners will get to letting you own silver in their recommendations is, okay, we'll buy a fund. It's a, called an ETF. It's called SLV. It's another fake market. It's purported to be backed by silver, but I guarantee it isn't. And your broker may put you in SLV. Well, all SLV is a bunch of paper, And if you read the fine print in an SLV contract, you don't have the right to any silver at all. You have the right to them cashing you out if you want your money back. So that is not buying silver, but I can tell you that is what your broker will do. If you tell your broker, you want silver. Oh, and if you tell your broker, you want gold, he's got one of those for you too. It's called GLD. It's the gold ETF. It's a complete scam and, uh, Like I say, the rarity of silver is unbelievable. You probably wouldn't believe how little there really is, but it seems to be cheap because they've kept the prices down. The way they keep the prices down is they sell millions of ounces of paper silver that they don't own every day on the paper silver market. So if you call up a coin dealer and say, what's the spot price of silver today? and he says, oh, it's $16.50, that's per ounce, per troy ounce, that's the quote you're going to get for what the value supposedly of silver is. Well, that's good news here because if you want to go out and buy a couple ounces of silver, you can buy one for a very low price. And when Lyndon Johnson removed those 1964 quarters from, from well, he, he claims he didn't remove them from circulation, but he essentially did by bringing out these copper coins. And, you know, it wasn't him. It was Congress. Uh, we won't get into that. We know, we know how our opinion of Congress should be. When those coins disappeared, which they did, and it didn't take long for them to leave circulation, those are the coins that I've been telling you. In 1964, a silver quarter would buy you a gallon of gas. In 19... Uh, I'm sorry, in 2018... A silver quarter is now worth about $3.30 or so. So if you shop for your gas at Safeway, you can still buy a gallon of gas for a silver quarter's value. That's the end of my show for today. I hope you've learned something. I had a lot of fun. I'll talk to you soon. This is Harold Littlejohn CPA. Stay informed. I'll see you next time on Business Buzz.
1: KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Three Americans who have been prisoners of the North Koreans are heading home after being released by the Kim Jong-un regime and will be greeted by President Trump when they arrive at Joint Base Andrews at around 2 a.m. this morning. But Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer says the release of the detained Americans should not be linked to the nuclear negotiations. We are happy they have
2: returned, but North Korea shouldn't gain by taking Americans and then releasing
1: them. While Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says North Korea's release of the three Americans is a sign of progress. I'm hopeful that by approaching our ongoing negotiations with clear eyes, we can build on this progress and pursue a verifiable agreement to dismantle North Korea's nuclear arms. President Trump says a site for negotiations will be announced in the next several days. The deputy CIA director nominated to take over the helm of the agency faces some tough questions at her confirmation hearing. Gina